Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Bethel Assembly, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and a blessing to your life. If you want more information about Bethel Assembly, please go to our website, BethelAssembly.info. Thanks again. We are going to be wrapping up a series this morning that has been leading us up to Christmas. We're taking the time to look at some very pivotal moments or pivotal conversations that occurred that very first Christmas. And I believe that as we look at these conversations, there are things that we can draw out of them that ring true in our hearts today. Amen? We've taken the time to look at the conversation that Mary, the mother of Jesus, had with the angel Gabriel. Do you remember that? That was the very first conversation. And and suddenly Gabriel comes to Mary and says, Greetings, favored woman. And she is disturbed and cast out in her mind. And she can't figure out what's going on. We looked at that story. We also looked at the conversation that Mary had with her cousin Elizabeth. And I love that one because the Bible says that the moment that Mary walked in the room as she began to speak, at just the sound of Mary's voice, the baby inside of Elizabeth leaps. How exciting that would be. You walk in the room and just say, hey, what's going on? Ba-boom. You know, how fun is that? Last week, we looked at the conversation of, well, we really didn't hear the conversation. We just saw the results. The moment that the innkeeper looked at Mary and Joseph and said, there's no room in the end. And I would encourage you, if you missed any of those messages, take a moment and go to our website, go to our Facebook page, uh, grab a hold of the podcast, get a CD, somehow wrap yourself around these and allow this Christmas story to become alive in your heart. I told you last week, and let me share it again. I think one thing that we falter on oftentimes in reading the scriptures is we'll, we'll get to a, a portion of the Bible that we think that we know. And we quickly skim that section of Scripture, and we really don't allow the newness of God to reign true. And I don't know about you, but there are times that I'm, I'm reading through the Bible, and I'm really diving in. And, and it could be a section of Scripture that I've read hundreds of times, but suddenly it appears that something brand new is there. Yeah. And I, I think to myself, when did that get there? Did, did, did God rewrite this this morning just for me? No, it's always been there, but I've never seen that, and, and I've never had a moment when that's been drawn out. So I would encourage you, go back and dive into these messages of the last few weeks and let God reveal to you something brand new about the Christmas story. So here we are. We're just two days away from Christmas. Ready or not, here it comes. The question that we've got to ask ourselves as we embark upon the Christmas celebration is this. What are you going to do with what you know and have learned about that very first Christmas story? What are you going to do with what you know and have learned about that very first Christmas story? You see, this morning I want to look at a conversation that happened with a ragtag group of guys. How did they respond to this conversation that the angels of heaven shared with them? Look what it says, Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 18. It says, that night, what night? The night that, that Jesus was to be born. 
That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their sheep. Suddenly, the angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Grab a hold of that. This is not just good news and and great joy for the shepherds in that moment. It wasn't just good news and great joy for Mary and Joseph, but good news and great joy that shall be for all people, including us today. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find the baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly this angel was joined with a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and singing, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. When the angel had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby, lying in a manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened. And what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. What I want to look at this morning for the next few moments is what can we learn from these shepherds? As they experienced this Christmas conversation, I I would guarantee you it was an unexpected conversation, but it was a, a welcomed conversation that they were willing to share, the Bible says, with everyone. Grab a hold of this. It's good news of great joy, which shall be for all people. And the Bible says that the shepherds shared it with everyone, and they were all astonished. Are you trekking with me this morning? We're not just talking about a couple of people one-on-one having a conversation, but we're talking about a group of guys that hear this good news of great joy, and they cannot contain it inside of themselves, but they have to respond. Okay. Yeah, I don't think you're quite grabbing hold of this. An angel appears. Sounded much like that, I would imagine. Has a conversation with the shepherds, and then suddenly the host of heaven's army, (laughs) that is the wimpiest army ever. Ah! That's the wimpiest army I'm thinking this was like, ah, you know, these guys were excited. And they, they begin to share with the shepherds the first Christmas tree cantata occurred right then and there. 
And the shepherds grabbed a hold of what was happening here. They looked at one another and said, we have to share with someone. This morning, I want to look at three directives. Three things that I believe that we are to learn from this moment with the shepherds. The first is this. Allow God to use you beginning where you are. Allow God to use you beginning where you are. The Bible says in verse 8 that the shepherds were staying in the fields nearby. One translation says they were living out in the fields. What were they doing? They were watching the sheep. They were guarding sheep. That's where the angel of the Lord found them. Now here's the part that really struck me. The shepherds allowed the angel of the Lord to speak to them in that moment. They allowed the Christmas conversation to occur right where they were. But how often are we guilty of pushing that conversation off? God wants to speak to us. God wants to tell us something. But we respond with, well, it's not quite the right time. I'm not at a place of receiving that right now. I'm not in my right mind. I'm not in that place. I just don't know that I can receive it. But the shepherds, they were living in the fields. And right where they were, amongst the stench of the sheep, no doubt they were tired. They had been working long hours. They were preoccupied with the task at hand. Yet they allowed the Lord in that moment to begin to speak to them where they were. And I'm wondering, how often do we miss this conversation? Because we come up with all sorts of reasons why right now is not the right time. The Bible says in Job chapter 33, for God speaks again and again and again and again and again and again. I know that one only has two, but it's been a few years since this was written. He speaks again and again, though people do not recognize it. Are we guilty of not hearing his voice? Are we guilty of not making room in that moment? Are we guilty of saying, this is not the right time, God? The word recognize here is a word that literally means to perceive, to observe, or to watch. It brings about the connotation of an inspector or a spy. That's cool. Well, look at that. They don't recognize him. We're not being spies. We're not inspecting. We're not searching out. We're not looking for the voice of God. How often do we find ourselves just meandering through the fields, checking on the sheep periodically, but not really pursuing the voice of God? The shepherds could have been in that place. They could have been in that field. And they could have said, you know what? God, I, I, I got too many things to deal with right now. I've got my sheep and I've got Johnny's sheep because he's sick at home with the flu. So I'm watching his sheep right now. I got too much going on. So if we can have this Christmas presentation a little later, that would be great. 
isn't that what we find ourselves doing? It's just not convenient right now. It's just not really what I had planned for today. The Lord speaks over and over and over again, and yet we don't quite recognize it. Why? Because we're not pursuing the voice of God. We're not longing for that Christmas conversation. In this particular verse, God is speaking over and over, yet no one is looking, no one is listening, no one is pursuing, no one is longing for what He has to say. And I ask you today, on the onset of this Christmas celebration, are we eagerly pursuing the voice of God? Or are we satisfied with where we are? Have we become guilty of too many distractions, too many excuses, too many things on our schedule that we simply miss the Word of God that He has set for us. See, I believe that God has a particular word for every person in this room. I believe that God is concerned enough about you that He has a plan and a purpose for you specifically. In fact, He's known you since your very creation. The Bible says He knows you. He knew you while you were in your mama's belly. He knows every detail of your life. He knows the number of hairs on your head. For some of you, that's easier than others. And I speak from experience. My hair is not as thick as it used to be. But it looks good. (laughs) I'm just kidding. It looks awesome. Uh, The question is not, (laughs) not does God have a word for us. The question is, do we choose to pursue that word? Do we choose to look after? Do we choose to be an inspector for? Do we choose to do what we need to do to get to that place of recognizing the voice of God and responding thereto? We must begin to listen and allow God to use us right where we are. Now, sometimes we say, well, when I, when I get to a place where I'm over here, then, then I'll be ready to really listen to God. You may never get there until you listen to him here. You see, in order for you to get there, he's got to give you directions to get there. Some of you are spiritually GPS challenged. We can't quite comprehend the plan. There's no way for us to get from here to there until we first listen to the voice of God. What we will end up doing is walking around in circles right here. And then finally, 40 years down the road, we think, why can't I get there? It's because we fail to listen. The Lord speaks again and again and again and again and again. Yet we fail to hear his voice. I challenge you today. Listen to the voice of God and allow him to begin to use you right where you are. The second directive that I see is this. God's plan requires immediate action. Oh, well, I know that God's telling me that I need to do so and so, but one of these days I'll get around to it. One of these days, I'll accomplish the task. My parents, 
I used to own a Christian bookstore when I was growing up, and I was in their store all the time. And, and I remember one time we, we had around the novelty section these little round wooden coins. And on it, it said, to it. It was a round to it. That way, if you ever said, it, you know, once, once I can get around to it, then I'll do it. Well, here's your round to it. Go and do it. I wish this morning that I had about 200 little to-its that I could pass on to you because there are many of us in this room that God is speaking to our lives and we've made all sorts of reasons why now is not the right time, that God, you can't really use me now, but when I get around to it, God's plan requires immediate action. Two weeks ago, uh, we talked about an immediate response, immediate obedience that Mary took on that very first Christmas. But Mary was not the only one that had to take action. Look at this, Luke chapter 2, verse 15. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. They said to one another, this warrants a response. What just happened was so amazing that we've got to do something. Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord had told us about. Not only did they listen to the voice of God, not only did they allow God to, to utilize the moment where they were, but they chose to allow the word to stir upon them an immediate response. In verse 16, says they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. Now, oftentimes in the Christmas story, we hear about the shepherds and we hear about the wise men. The wise men took two years to get to Jesus. So he was not an infant when they arrived. So really the nativity, that's a whole other story. But I can imagine that one of the reasons why the shepherds got there a lot faster because the wise men took their time. We're going to find the Messiah. They brought their gold, their Frankenstein, and the myrrh. I, I was told just last week of a, a guy that in his Sunday school class, he always called it gold Frankenstein and you know, it's gold frankincense and myrrh. And, and all dignified and they're slowly making their progression to the Christ child. But the shepherds, the Bible says this, they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there, <laughs> there was the baby. Lying in a manger. Now, it says they hurried, but one translation says they went with haste. Another translation says they ran. According to the original Greek, that literally means to speed. If they were in their car, they would have gotten a ticket. They sped to the place. They saw a sense of urgency to get to this Jesus, the long-awaited Messiah. They weren't about to wait in the fields until morning. But they hurried from where they were. There was an immediate response. Now, in my mind, I think, what happened to all the sheep? If all the shepherds left, where did the sheep go? But that's another story for another time. This shows me that they not only trusted what the angel told them, but they knew that there was something amazing awaiting for them 
in Bethlehem. It caused an urgency. It caused a desire for an immediate response. And I, I wonder, are we eagerly pursuing God? Are we eagerly pursuing our Messiah? Or are we just excited about Christmas because we know what we're getting? We already shook that box. We know what's in it. We already know that Grandma's going to make that chocolate pie with the meringue top. Come on, somebody. Are we excited? Because we're longing for more of Jesus. Is there an urgency upon our hearts? You see, the Bible tells me in 1 Corinthians, the time that remains is very short. The time that we have on this earth is very short. Verse 31 says, For this world as we know it will soon pass away. You see, there's coming a day, there's coming a time when Jesus is going to return, not as an infant as he did before, but as a conquering king. He will take all that have received him as Lord and Savior to be in heaven with him for all eternity. The question is, are we responding with urgency to share that good news of great joy which shall be for all people The Messiah, yes, the Lord Jesus has been born today in the city of David for you and for you and for you and for you and for me. The shepherds told everyone about this good news. They didn't quietly slip back to the fields and hang out with the sheep. But they were passionate about telling everyone what Jesus had done. He came for you and me. The Bible says, and everyone that heard this message was astonished. The shepherds hurried to the Christ child. But I also discovered something else. They didn't just hurry, they found. The word found in Luke chapter 2 verse 16 means they found after a search. It wasn't like they walked up and there he was and wow, that was easy. They searched out. I wonder, did they knock on several doors? Did they go from house to house? They were looking for a baby wrapped in strips of cloth lying in a manger. How many doors did they knock on before they found him? They searched and they found the Christ child. And they worshipped him and marveled at God's grace and God's goodness. See, I believe that the shepherds are a a great example for you and I to imitate today. They received the message and they responded in obedience. Someone once said that when Jesus ascended to heaven after his mission here on earth, the angels had a conversation with him and it went something like this. Jesus, did you accomplish the task that you went to earth to accomplish He responded, yes, it's all finished. They said, well, we've got a second question. Has the entire world heard about you? Jesus responded, no, not yet. The angel said, then what's the plan? He says, well, I've left 12 guys there, and 
some other followers, and they're going to carry out the message to the whole world. In that moment, the angels looked over the edge of heaven on earth and looked back at Jesus and said, what's plan B? I'm here to tell you today, there's not a plan B. We are plan A, and it stops there. See, it's not enough just to hear God's voice in that moment. It's not enough just to, to run to the side of where Jesus is. There's a third directive, and it's this. It's time to remember and share what Jesus has done. Now is the time to remember and share. We just read the, the scripture. What did it say? The time that remains is very short. This world as we know it will soon pass away. Now is the time to remember and share what Jesus has done. You see, after that grand concert put on by the host of heaven's army, the shepherds not only took an immediate response and went and found Jesus, they had follow-through. They told everyone what had happened. They took the time to share what happened, not just for them, but for every one of us. Verse 17, after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. Who did they tell? Everyone. This Christmas season, I want us to not quickly forget what Jesus did. Don't allow Christmas to become a, a money-spending, materialistic, party-going, chaotic time of the year. See, what Jesus told this ragtag group of guys was not just for them, not just for this young couple, but was for you and every generation to follow. Now, if you'll bear with me for a moment, I want to go back to another story in the Old Testament. Joshua chapter 4, we find a, a similar reminder. Moses had been leading the children of Israel out of Egypt. You remember that story? So Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, let my people go. And he, he says, no, his heart's hardened. There's all the plagues. And finally, he releases them and they go and they get to the Red Sea and God parts the Red Sea. They walk across and the, the Egyptian army drowns in the water. You remember the story? Let's move forward just a little bit. We're at a place now that Moses has passed away. God has put Joshua as the new leader. However, in Joshua chapter 3, the children of Israel once again find themselves in a bit of a predicament. They have come to the Jordan River. Now normally the river, I am told, was about 100 feet wide and anywhere from 3 feet to 10 feet deep. However, in this moment, it was flood stage. The spring rains were falling, snow was melting from Mount Hermon. So the river is quite a barrier between the Israelites and the promised land which they're longing to get to. I'm told that at that point there was the, the river was about a mile wide and upwards of 12 feet deep. Now, we understand that's quite a barrier. It's going to require a miracle for the Israelites to cross the Jordan River. However, we remember a couple weeks ago in our Christmas story that the angel Gabriel said to Mary, nothing is impossible with God, right? 
So God had done this before. The Israelites had been in this predicament before. And last time, Moses raised his arm with the staff and the water parted. But this time, they are told to send the priest out carrying the Ark of the Covenants. And at the moment that the priest's feet touched the water, the Jordan River would part. So they began to do this, and the priests get into the water, and suddenly the water stops. And here's what I find interesting. The water stopped at just the right moment, but it says that it it stopped many, many miles, 15 to 20 miles upstream in the town of Adam. But at the moment that their foot touched the water, it said it began to back up. That means God, prior to, stopped that water 15 to 20 miles up so that when they stepped their foot in, it began to part. Oh, come on. So what does this have to do with remembering and sharing what Jesus had done? Well, it's not in that moment of stepping into the water that I want to talk about. It's not in the moment of of God backing the water 15 to 20 miles up the river. What what I want to talk about is what happened next. Look at verse 5 through 7. It says, Joshua told them, Go into the middle of the Jordan in front of the ark of the Lord your God. Each of you must pick up one stone. And by the way, they were much larger than this, probably closer to the size of those that we have in the Uh, decorations around the building, but I wasn't going to carry one of those in. So pretend this is much larger. Each of you must pick up one stone and carry it on your shoulder, 12 stones in all, one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. We will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, they remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. Here's what struck me. In the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? In a time down the way, future generations, they will ask you, what do these stones mean? And then you can tell them. I wonder, are we taking the time this Christmas season in a Christmas conversation to share what these stones really mean? To remind our children, our our future generation, what the Christmas season is all about. Or have we already quickly forgotten? It's Warren Wearsby that once said this, unless we teach the next generation the truth about the Lord, they will turn away and start following the world. Unless we teach the next generation the truth about our Lord, they will turn away and start following the world. See, the Jewish people were really big on teaching the next generation about God. They they were really big about sharing the relationship that he wants with them, yet 
To the unbeliever, this pile of stones was just literally a, a pile of stones. I can imagine an unbeliever walking by and going, that's weird, why is there a pile of stones here? But if an Israelite walked by, they'd say, wow, that reminds me. Do you remember the time that God parted the water in the Jordan River for us? This was all great for a time. But soon that great memorial had lost its true meaning. What a sad day it is when we lose sight of the awesomeness of God. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, the Messiah. Good news of great joy that will be for all people. And I wonder how many of us have a manger scene in our house, but we've somewhat forgotten what it truly represents oh we know the story but do we really know what it means we say merry christmas but do we really grab a hold of what it means i'm not talking about telling the entire world what i'm concerned about is are we telling our future generation we fail to tell the next generation about the goodness of our lord and our savior they'll soon begin to follow the ways of the world. Just a couple of weeks ago, I was reading an article of a small group of people that complained that a community, a, a decent-sized community, had a cross in their public Christmas display. They wanted that cross taken down. Now, it would be easy for us here in the Bible Belt to say, well, that's probably one of those coastal liberal people guess what? It was two hours south on 65. Right in the Bible belts. Have we lost sight of what this really means? Are we guilty of failing to share with our next generation what these stones really stand for? Are we not taking the time to, to share this Christmas conversation, this good news of great joy? Luke chapter 2. After seeing Jesus, seeing Him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. What I'm suggesting to you is this. Take time this Christmas season. Take time to have that conversation. Allow this good news of great joy to stir inside of you an urgency. Would you pass on to them what these stones represent?